Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. So if you get up earlier than you have to in order to study God's Word and spend time with Him in prayer, I call that putting God first. So what's His part? To add to you the things you need, including the energy to get through the day by walking up or waking up two hours early. Amen. The truth of the matter is, the majority of Christians today, they don't want to read their Bibles or pray. They want to do what everybody else is doing. They want to talk on their cell phones. They want to text. They want to surf the internet. They want to play video games. They want to watch TV or go to the movies or listen to hours upon hours of music on their iPods. Maybe... Just maybe we need to be reminded about what Paul said in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. He said, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I believe that's the problem in America today. Too many Christians and too many churches have conformed to the pattern they see in the world. What do I mean by that? Well, many people go to church to be entertained instead of going to worship God. Don't get me wrong. I don't see anything wrong with having a good time at church. But if the only reason a person comes to church is to be entertained, then something is definitely wrong with that person's relationship to God. You know, give me a second here. Some people will use the excuse of going to church for the worship service because it's a famous church. Or, or, you know, I'll just I'll, I'll just call them out. I'll use the name Hillsong Church from Australia. Darlene Sheck made them famous, and people would go to church to listen to Hillsong's music. They forgot about whatever the sermon was about because they were just there for the music. Then on the other end of it, I remember uh, Jesse Duplantis was coming to Austin, Texas. 
Jesse Duplantis, if you're not aware of it, he's a very famous preacher who is able to tell stories that just have you laughing at the gut. It's like a comedian, but the messages that are contained in his stories really hit home. He uses the the comedic effect to get people to drop their guard, and then he hits them with the word. Amen? He was coming to Austin, and we went down there, and they had the normal worship service in the beginning, but everybody was there to see him, the comedian. They wanted to be entertained. That's what I mean by people go to church to be entertained. Amen? If the only reason a person comes to church is to be entertained, then something is wrong with that person's relationship to God. If a pastor or any other person in the church does or says anything for any other reason than to glorify and magnify the name of Jesus Christ, then he or she is sinning against God. If you or someone says, church was boring today, then you were there for the wrong reason. You are to go to church to worship, not to be entertained, to worship. If you as a pastor or preacher during the course of your sermon prep, or as often happens to me is when I'm preaching, in the middle of your sermon, God gives you a word to say, and then you begin to question yourself. If I say this, sister so-and-so is going to get mad, or brother so-and-so is going to be offended. Some people may actually get up and walk out. That's going to impact the offering because it hadn't been collected yet. If you find yourself saying things like this, it's for that person God is wanting you to speak. Sometimes the best wake-up call is a good slap in the face. Amen? Well, Brother Bob, what happens if they get offended and leave the church? What's that to you? What is that to you? Do you serve God or man? If God tells you to say this, and you say, thus saith the Lord, and you let it rip. And three quarters of the church goes, I ain't sitting here for this. And they get up and walk out. What is that to you? If you are doctrinally 100% correct, and you know that the Holy Spirit has told you to say this, what is that to you? Well, Brother Bob, they'll be sheep without a shepherd. No, they won't. Half of them will come back anyway. The other half will go find another church. Maybe God's trying to get them out of your church and into the church he wants them to be in. Well, what about the offerings, our budget, all this stuff? Do you serve God or man? Do you trust God or trust those people filling the pews to meet the needs of the church? Amen? Amen? If God told you to say what you were told to say, then God is responsible for what happens. Amen. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Let me give you another example. Luke chapter 18. We see the story about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus seeking justification for his lifestyle. What does that sound familiar today? Amen. 
He was basically asking Jesus to tell him he was good to go. And then in return, he'd probably give Jesus an offering. That's probably what he'd done with religious leaders of, the past, of, of, of his day. Kind of like what the Catholic Church does to mafia members. Oh, there I go stepping on toes again. You know, you can't buy your salvation. Even though that's one thing the Catholic Church says you can do. Anyway, glory to God. We read, beginning in verse 18, A certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why are you calling me good? No one is good except one, that's God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he interrupted and said, All these I've kept from my youth up. And when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You lack only one thing. Sell all that you have. Distribute it to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he was very rich. Some Bible commentators say this was probably supposed to be Judas's replacement. God was lining him up for a huge blessing. But he didn't want to change his life. Jesus did not preach smooth things to him. He hit him right across the face with the one thing that was holding him back. <clears throat> holding him back from achieving more in his life than he could even imagine. He loved money more than he loved God. Jesus didn't hold back from saying what the Spirit of God told him to say. And it shouldn't hold you back either, preacher. Amen? Even though that man left... He had heard the word. The seed had been planted. And that's all we're supposed to do. Jesus said in, I think it's Mark 20, the sower sows money. No, the sower sows the word. That's it. The word. If they get a huffy and walk off, you sowed the word. And now it's been planted in their heart. Let God take care of the rest. Amen. We as a nation need to experience another great awakening. But before that can happen, we have to recognize our need for revival. And we have to change our attitudes towards spending time in prayer and Bible study. You know, in Deuteronomy 29, it's recorded that God said, Even though the temple was very beautiful, that if the Israelites turned their backs on him, that a day would come when people would pass by its ruins and say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? Verse 25 says, Because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of Egypt. And they embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That's why he brought all this disaster upon them. In the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, it also has something important to say to us about God's covenant with the nation of Israel. Verses 1 through 3 in Deuteronomy 28 says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today, 
The Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Moses then lists several ways that God would bless the nation of Israel. He said that God would bless them economically, that their crops and their herds would be bountiful. He also said God would protect them from their enemies. And it's well documented that the forefathers of the United States founded this nation on Christian principles. And I believe that is the main reason that God has blessed the United States so much during the 230 plus years of our existence. We are without a doubt the richest, most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Our government, our way of life, our freedoms are envied by so many people around the world. This in despite of the attempts of the current politicians who are trying to tear it down and destroy it. But I'm not going to get off on that subject. That's for another day. I want you to read with me God's warning to the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, he said, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God, and you do not carefully follow all of his commands, and you do not follow the decrees I'm giving you today, then all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And he then goes into great detail concerning the curses. He said he'd curse their cities and their fields. He said that he would curse their crops and their herds. He said he'd strike them down with diseases. And finally, he said he would cause them to be defeated before their enemies. And folks, I believe that the United States of America is at that point right now today. We are at the weakest we've ever been since the Vietnam War. Brother Bob, how can you say that? I mean, our military military is still the greatest in the world. I believe that. I served a good portion of my life in the U.S. Army. But if you find yourself fighting against God, I don't care who you are, you will not win. One Boy Scout anointed by God could defeat an entire army if God anointed him to do that. I don't think for even one minute that the God of Islam, Allah, is greater than our God. That is not happening. But I can read the Bible and see where God allowed other insignificant nations that worship false idols defeat Israel when Israel refused to obey. What makes the United States of America any better than the nation of Israel? Nothing. Not one thing. So if God did it to them and he had a covenant to protect them, if all they had to do was obey and when they failed to obey, he allowed them to be defeated by small, insignificant countries, then the same thing can happen to the United States if we do not obey. Amen. Anyway... King Solomon and the nation of Israel did not heed God's warnings. Instead, they drifted away from God. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, it says, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart 
after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. And it got so bad that the Israelites were actually sacrificing their own children to Moloch, the god of the Amorites, who can be referenced to the god of the abortionists. That's right, abortion is a form of worshiping a false god. But again, that's a sermon for another day. Now, as a result of their disobedience and sin, God allowed a civil war to split the nation into two. Then in 722 BC, he allowed the Assyrians to come in and completely destroy the northern kingdom of Israel. Isn't it a coincidence that Syria is again about to inflict punishment on, this time, the United States, for our sins. You see, God never changes. Anyway, 155 years later, the nation of Israel still had not repented of their sins. So he allowed this time the Babylonians to conquer and completely destroy the city of Jerusalem, burning everything, including God's temple that Solomon had built. You see, they believed that, hey, they had the temple, and God would never allow that temple to be desecrated. Think again. In the fifth chapter of Isaiah, we read about another time when God's people had turned away from him. God had promised to protect Israel from their enemies as long as they worshipped and served him. But, once again, they turned to other gods. So in verse 5 he said, Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'll take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I'll break down its wall, and it'll be trampled. I'll make it a wasteland. Neither prune nor cultivated briars and thorns will grow there. Has God removed the hedge that's been protecting the United States of America? I believe he did briefly remove it. During 9-11, the following weekend, that's what I preached about. It was a warning. And it was a warning then, but it may be permanent now. We have to see sin for what it really is. And then confess it and get rid of it. Repent. It needs to be forsaken, left behind once and for all. This, folks, is a wake-up call for the Christians in America. Friend, God will not use a dirty vessel. We must desire to be revived. In most cases, we don't want revival bad enough to make any changes in our life. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 reads, See you, Lord, while seek your the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen. God wants to send revival upon those who genuinely seek it. We need first a personal revival, ourselves getting right with God, our families need to fall into line, our churches need to get right with God, our pastors need to preach the word and live it before the people, and people need to do the same. Our country needs to get back to in God we trust. Amen. 
I say wake up, America. Revival is not turned on and off like a hot water faucet. Yet, if we meet God's conditions, he will and he wants to give us revival. The question, will you not revive us again so your people may rejoice? The answer is yes, if we obey him. Amen. And finally, not only do we need to recognize the need for revival, we also need to realize that God is the only one that can heal our land. It's not up to whatever politician gets elected. Only God can heal this land. It's not Republican or Democrat or Independent or Communist or Socialist or Conservative. It doesn't matter. Only God can heal this land. It is written... The, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it like a river wheresoever he wills. Even Obama, his heart is in the hand of God. If God wills, he will turn Obama's attitude. If Obama obeys God, God will heal this land. God is the one we need to be looking to. Not man, not the Republican Party, not the Democrat Party, but God. Amen. Oh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise him for his word. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise God. I'm almost out of time. i got to hurry. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. When it was first introduced, welfare was seen as the answer to many of the problems in our nation and society. That was the promise of the politicians. Now, we know that even an elaborate welfare system does not work. In fact, in some cases, welfare complicated and even added to the problems in America. It created entire generations of those who are totally dependent upon the government, upon government handouts, and they are incapable of using their own motivation, their own mind, their own ingenuity to achieve the American dream or any semblance of it. Our military is one of the greatest militaries in the world, if not the greatest. And it is right now waging war against the Taliban and ISIS and all that. But as strong as our military is, it cannot guarantee our safety. Especially when the president wants to open a new front. Where we're helping people in one location and fighting against the same group of people in another location. That'd be like helping the SS in France and fighting the Nazis in Germany during World War II. It doesn't make any sense. Yet, that's what we're doing with our military today. Amen. The, the military is being run by people who've never held a regular job or held a job with any responsibility whatsoever. They look at it as a game. Whoops, lost that round, lost that chess piece. What they fail to realize is when they fail, it costs American soldiers their lives. Anyway, 
higher taxes, more government, multiple social programs have not and will not resolve the difficulties we're facing. Health care reform will not ease the pain. Technology and science have not, nor can they, provide the answers. The only way our nation will be healed is if the Lord of the universe intercedes on our behalf. Our text today sets forth a pattern and states the promise that healing follows forgiveness. We notice this in the ministry of Jesus. He forgave their sins and healed their diseases. Forgiveness follows repentance. When people turn away from sin and selfishness, God hears and he forgives. Repentance can best be explained as turning from sin and going towards God. Amen. When I'm explaining this concept to someone who's lost, I say repentance is like a group of soldiers who are marching in one direction and when their commanding officer yells, to the rear, march, they all turn around in unison and march in the opposite direction. When we repent, we turn from our sin. We turn to God. In other words, we should seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, once said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Until we as a nation realize there is no other place for us to go for healing except to God, we will continue to suffer the consequences of our sins. Others have preached that education is the answer to all of our problems. But that doesn't explain why Mohammed Atta, who is a college graduate, boarded a plane in Boston, hijacked it, and flew it into the World Trade Center, killing him th himself and thousands more. If education was the answer, he wouldn't have fallen for the lies of the devil and believed that Allah would reward him for killing innocent people. I can guarantee you one thing. He doesn't believe it now. Oh, I have no doubt that Muhammad and he are occupying the same space in hell. You see, that's the lie of the devil. If you believe it, you go to hell forever. Amen. If you do not believe what the Bible says, if you do not believe what God says, if you do not believe what Jesus says, and that he was our sacrifice for our salvation, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, then you go to hell. It's as simple as that. Someone once said that our only hope for survival is revival. And I agree with that. I've said, and I will continue to say, that unless our nation experiences a great revival right now, the church as we know it today will be a thing of the past. Many of our churches will be made into museums or shelters for the homeless or simply be boarded up or torn down. Our nation is in serious trouble, but there is hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. The only thing God is waiting for is for us to realize that we need healing and that he's the only one that can heal us. If you need forgiveness in your life, I ask you right now today to pray this prayer with me. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then revival can start in your life. Amen. Repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for being my Savior. I receive the forgiveness of my sins right now. I receive you, Lord, as my Savior. Come into my heart and create in me that new life and help spark revival in my life 
in our church and in this land. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.